You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. It's great to be with you today. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California, but today I'm really in Paris in my mind because my new novel, Lost and Found in Paris, debuts today. It is out, people. So Liz, Julie, our question of the day. Any good book recommendations? What are you recommending? What are you recommending, Liz? What's up? Okay, What's up? This, is, this is Liz. I'm the middle sister. I'm in Santa Monica, California. I picked up this little thing. It's called an art history treasure hunt, Leanne. Sounds good. I, I had never heard of this genre before. It's called Lost and Found in Paris, and I'm loving it. <laughs> Hi, this is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister and I live in Dallas, Texas. And yeah, I was hunting around for some kind of book that would have adventure, that would have romance, that would have um, intrigue. Yeah. Lost and found in Paris. How about that? It's incredible that we're all reading and recommending the same book. Well done. Well, okay. well, no kidding. Congratulations, Leanne. It is a huge thing to get a book written, published and out into the world. Congratulations. And we're thank proud of much. We're very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of me. No, I am. This is a long time coming. So this is our special We Love Paris episode. We're not going to talk about the book the whole time, but we are going to talk about it a little bit because this book inspired this episode, We Love Paris. We'll be back with our regular programming next week, but we're going to have some fun today. Uh, first of all, can I just say I'm excited that the book is out. But I think I'm even more excited to talk to our guest today, Patricia Wells. Now, Patricia Wells, a personal hero of mine. I'm going to tell you all about that. But she's also considered the foremost authority, American authority on French food. Wow. Uh, she has been writing, living, teaching, eating, recipe developing, cookbook authoring in Paris and Provence for the last 40 years. And her recipes are amazing. She knows everybody in the food world. She has the respect of everybody in the food world and we have her on satellite sisters today so we are looking forward to that she uh, that's the amazing thing that we have her yeah <laughs> congrats paris, on that right? too leon right because we you have know. a guest from paris on the show <laughs> that seems pretty good right well we put these shows together something like this i was like who do we want from paris and we batted around a few names um but i was like there's really only one person i want it's patricia wells and we happen to share a publisher so that's how it happened we got very lucky so very happy to talk to her today also we're going to share some of our favorite paris memories and yours we have a fantastic list of entertaining sisters from paris uh that we're going to do with all kinds of books and movies and unusual records recommendations for uh, newsletters and Instagram accounts and, and programs to learn French. That's all going to be in the show. Um, we have our to-do lists and we're going to have a lot of fun. So thank you so much for joining us for our We Love Paris show because we do love Paris. Okay. So Leon, this is your fourth novel, uh, Lost and Found in Paris. So can you kind of give us like, what's this one about? Is it like your other three novels or where are you going with this one? <laughs> So, you know, other I, than Paris, <laughs> excellent question, Julie. Um, so I started this book nine years ago 
which is really a long time ago, but it had been um, in my mind for about 12 years. When I first started writing fiction, Helen of Pasadena was my first one. I sort of envisioned a trio of books, three books about um, contemporary women being inspired by historical women. So, and so right off the bat, before I had ever written a single book, I thought, well, I'll write three books. Um, and it's that kind of overconfidence that keeps me going. And so my first one was Helen of Pasadena that had a Helen of Troy theme. Uh, we, we learned some ancient history. The second one I was originally calling Eleanor of Acquisitions because it was going to be about Eleanor of Aquitaine inspiring like someone in the finance business. But funny, then I was discovered- there's, it's good, good title, right? Liz? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the problem. There was nothing else. Like there's very little known about Eleanor of Aquitaine. There's not actually a lot of historical detail other than Catherine Hepburn's movie, the Lion. Right. I was going to say Lion in Winter is <laughs> yeah, pretty exactly. much what we know. Research. <laughs> and then, and then also I know even less about acquisitions. So right. well, finance, uh, I was going to say not a strong suit for you. You have many strong suits, but yeah. Yeah. So that one became Elizabeth the First Wife. I decided to go with a Shakespeare slash Elizabeth the First theme. And the third book was supposed to be Joan of Art. So I was combining oh, a contemporary wow. uh, like art person. I hadn't really figured out what she was. And Joan of Arc, uh, the saint, the oh. you know, 15, 14th yeah. century saint. So um, and that's what this book, I changed the title to Lost and Found in Paris, uh, because as I wrote the book, it became much less about Joan of Arc and more about Joan, the art curator. And so mm -hmm. I just wanted a broader title. I, yeah. But um, but that's when I started nine years ago. So it's a it's a book about a woman. She is sort of has fallen into an art career thanks to her famous parents. Her father was a light and space artist here in uh, Los Angeles in the 70s and 80s, sort of a combination of James. Terrell and Christo and was very famous, but then met a tragic death. Her mom was a supermodel because why not? You know, why not? Writer, I mean, it's you your book. Yes. Unless we need at least <laughs> one supermodel. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time when like supermodels married a lot of unattractive rock stars and, and artists <laughs> and things like that. You know, they, they, they worked in the same world. Uh, so, um, and then Joan is their only daughter. She thinks of herself as sort of an average woman with above average parents. And after the death of her dad, she just makes some decisions that um, just aren't great. They, they aren't great for her. They aren't exactly what she wanted to be doing. So on the 10th anniversary of her father's death, like things kind of come to a head. She's a, a, she, you know, her husband drops a real bomb on her. She has sort of a professional crisis and she's offered a way out, go to Paris you're going to take this piece of artwork. The museum that she works for is selling it. It's called deacquisitioning. They're deacquisitioning this artwork. Go to Paris, enjoy yourself, come back and regroup. But then in Paris, things happen and the artwork disappears and the treasure hunt begins. <gasps> so that's that's essentially mm -hmm. what what you know. That's the the broad strokes of the plot. Well, it, it's amazing. So, Leon, but, you know, you've been to Paris, but I but you haven't lived in Paris for any length of time. How was that writing, writing a book where you it's all about Paris? And that's one of the great things about reading it is, you know, you have all different scenes all over all over the city. How did you how did you actually research that? Because I really felt like when I read it, like you were you were like standing on you know on, in the Ile de la Cité or whatever <laughs> wherever you were you know I really felt like you were there oh Julie thank you you know I had been to Paris a bunch in as a 
student and in my 20s for a variety of reasons. So, oh, you're right. I've never physically lived there. Both you and Liz, you did your junior years abroad there. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I did mine in Athens. So, but I had a chance to spend uh, probably all told about six weeks there in my 20s, you know, on various Mm -hmm. trips Mm -hmm. and backpacking. And then when I had a professional trip there and so, and and then did a bunch of other stuff in in France, work-related so I spent enough time there to feel like I had a feel for the city, but it had been a long time. I am no longer in my 20s. Uh, it had been really 25 years since I'd been there. And contrary to you know what you believe from Sex in the City or Hallmark movies, they don't really hand you like tons of money to go research your book. That's not how book advances <laughs> work. So. Oh, no. Oh, So I had to turn to this little thing called the internet. Um, oh. But you know what? There are so many great, blogs and Instagram accounts, because every American woman that has ever moved to Paris has started a blog, a newsletter, Instagram <laughs> account. I luckily mean, for you, luckily yes. for me, when I was first putting the story together, I just started searching, you know, oh, here's, oh, here's so-and-so she's her M- MA in art. Oh, and now she gives tours of the Louvre. And there's just like 8 million American women or British women doing things like that. Uh-huh. So, can definitely get a sense of like the city and working in neighborhoods and what it's like to work there and live there, at least through American or British eyes. Um, I wasn't reading a lot in actual French. I can muddle through uh, some French Instagram accounts too, but that's, that's kind of how I did it was sort of piecing it together. And then I did have an opportunity after I had written a complete draft, many complete drafts of the book. Uh, it was bought and I knew it was going to be out. Then I went to Paris and sort of double checked my work. Uh, you know, I was, I, yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. So, so I could, cause I did feel like I had the logistics, right, but I was missing some of the feeling and I, that was going to be something I needed to go for. So then I went to Paris with my son, Colin, um, when he was over there studying and we spent a week there and I checked my steps and then I went back in and started, um, you know, filling in, making the Paris scenes lusher, you know, mm-hmm. put it, putting in things that were less from memory and more from current day. Oh, I love that. The other thing that I love in this book is there's a little spice in this book, Leanne. There's, you know, there's yeah. a little romance. We got yeah. some romance going on and spicy, things spicy. are happening there. Yes, yes. I I liked that element a lot. I think um, uh, it, it adds a lot to this to this book. Well, you know, the main character, Joan, uh, is only 31. So she's not dead yet. You know, she's, only, she's, <laughs> she's and she is in Paris. She's in Paris. Okay. Right. I I started to think about the book, like, say you went to, um, you know, you went to Paris on vacation and did a few things that you really probably wouldn't normally do in your normal day-to-day life. That's Mm -hmm. how I started to think about it. Mm -hmm. Paris inspires a variety of of behavior like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, Joan is definitely part of that. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked it. I like writing books with romance. For me, that's, that's fun, but it's always a, I, uh, but I, I don't think of them as, yeah, I mean, I don't, wouldn't mind being called a romance book, but yeah, it's a part of Joan's journey, but not all of Joan's journey right, is what right. I would say. A part of her character arc, but not all of it. And that was important to me too. And, you know, 
other romances pop up. We don't have to give details, not just Joan. No, just Joan I, I, I'm not. Yes. No, that's what I'm saying. That's uh, <laughs> all the way through. Now, Liz, you love this book. You, you thought it was a real romp, a real adventure, a page turner. And, uh, you know, you are like, we're racing through this book to get to the end to find out how it all gets resolved. Right, right. But yeah. I mean, what made it such a romp is that there are all of the characters have very interesting stories. Like the dead father is interesting. The uh-huh. supermodel mother is interesting. The, you know, obviously Joan, the people Joan runs into. There's just a lot. I, I don't know how you think it all up, Leanne. <laughs> I know that sounds super lame to say, but like everyone has something fascinating going on that as a reader, I'm interested in knowing more about them. So that's one of the things I really enjoyed. It's not just... Jones story. There are a lot of complicated emotions expressed by a lot of people in this book, Mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. I mean, you know, I did start it a long time ago. And so it just came in sort of drips and drops. But and so like the father character is based on, as I said, sort of James Terrell, the famous light and space artist who is alive, uh, who <laughs> that I've been able to see speak a couple of times uh, because we share an alma mater. He went to Pomona. So um, so that well, just can I just say just the fact that you chose a light and space artist was interesting to me because you obviously wanted to be in the contemporary art world. But there are a lot of other more traditional ways you could have gone even in contemporary art. So hearing about these light and space installations was super interesting. Yeah. You know, it was challenging, Liz, because you're right. It would have been a lot easier to, to write about a painter. Oil painting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. What an idiot. Well, you know, at one point I, I started to do a lot of art history research and I started to just throw a lot of stuff in the book. And then I realized I sound like an idiot. I sound <laughs> like I learned this on Wikipedia yesterday and put it in my book today. So I felt like I had a handle a little bit on, on that particular movement, um, which did start in Los Angeles and the book starts in Pasadena. So it was sort of part of it was, um, you know, geography. Like why mm-hmm. I chose that that particular art movement and 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 to focus in on and uh, and it was contemporary enough so I didn't want to lose people with a lot of um, you know 14th century Flemish painting that kind right. of right. And also Paris, Paris is the city of light. So yes, exactly. Liz, that's right. It all all comes together. Yeah. 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 So no, I, I, yeah. So they, the characters come together in pieces, but you'll see when I mentioned all those American expats with blogs, like then that's factored into my book. One of, you know, one of the characters in the book is an American expat with a blog because that is what happened. And, and the book is set in 2011. So if the word blog seems kind of dated to you, it's because the book was said 10, 10 years ago. So, and there's a reason for that. But um, so that's the other calculation you have to do is what was actually happening in 2011. How were people using oh, yeah, media? Yeah. How were people using cell phones? Cell how phones, people, right. Yeah. What, what were people a, wearing? Yes. Right. Yeah. How, how did the internet work? Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was cell phone coverage like? I mean, mm-hmm. at one point, the copy editor came to me and said, you had them smoking in restaurants and the smoking law went into effect, you know, like three months before the scene is actually set. So oh, there shouldn't be sake. any. Smoking. Well, and, and if you've been to France, I'm sure they were ignoring that. <laughs> anyway. I just sometimes you just you got to give it to the copy. Editor. You're like, fine. I fine. know but that's that's very specific. Yeah. It's um, very the, specific. Mm-hmm. So. 
So, you know, there's a lot of details when, when you're writing this, but um, do you, you know, I'm grateful for the people who helped me keep, stay on the, stay on track. Cause it can, you can go in a bunch of different places. And I tried to stay on track with the mystery and, and everything so to keep it moving. Well, it certainly did. You know, Leon, I loved it because you do have a junior year abroad theme in it as well. There's a little flashback there. And Liz and I both did our junior year abroads in Paris. And, you know, uh, and if I could have started a blog and stayed in Paris, I, I think I probably would have done that. That wasn't really an option for us, was it, Liz? No. Uh, no, I don't think the internet I, I had not been maybe, invented yet. I, I think no. our class, some of our classmates stayed and went to cooking school, stuff like that. But I just love that. And it just, you know, for me, it brought back one of my favorite memories of Paris, which was as a student, you know, we went to uh, the opera house, you know, on, on occasion. We would buy those cheap student tickets and we'd sit way up on top in the um, uh, of the opera house and we'd look down at all the elegant people. And I don't know what came over us uh, one night. I was there with my friend Linda. We had bought the uh, cheap seats and we were looking down and we saw an empty box, like one of the beautiful velvet boxes, red velvet boxes with red velvet chairs. And we just thought, well, you know, sort of like this was in the day. Remember when you go to sports games and you like sneak down to better seats, you know, right, uh, right. before there were intermission, before they had a lot of ushers or people didn't have apps or QR codes and, you know, that you can make some moves like that. <laughs> yes. Get in trouble. So Linda and I at intermission, we were watching the, uh, the magic flute at the intermission. We snuck down and we went into this box and we were sitting there and the orchestra, you know, the second act was starting and all of a sudden the door opened and it was this, the most elegant, you know, husband and wife there to enjoy the second act of the magic flute and we're in their seats. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, we couldn't, we were just, we couldn't say we were sorry and they were so elegant and so lovely. I remember the man's suit. He, he said, just sit there, just sit there. You know, don't, don't say anything. And they sat behind us for the whole second act of the magic. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. They did not kick us out. They were so elegant that that was, they did not do that. That was the longest 40 minutes <laughs> of my entire life. I still cannot listen to that music from the magic flute without thinking about how miserable, embarrassed, mortified uh, that we were, that we had done this and we had put these people out. But uh, oh my God. So, that's yes, probably the I, worst I, thing you ever did in your life. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you, you know, your book is right. You do, you know, sometimes when you're traveling, you're in a special place, you, you, you take some risks that you wouldn't right. normally take. So I thought, I thought that was very consistent. And when I read that, I loved, I loved the scenes uh, about her junior year abroad because it brought back memories for me. Wow. Okay. Well, I was trying to think about my favorite Paris memory. I also spent a year there my junior year. And then I ended up working in Paris a lot off and on over the years. For a while, I worked for a French company. And then when I was in the sports business, believe it or not, when I was working on the, the Women's World Cup in 1999, 
in 19, I started before 99. So in 98, somehow I convinced the people that run the World Cup, my business partner, Rosemary, and I convinced them that we needed to go to the Men's World Cup in Paris in order to really be able to understand the Women's World Cup in America, which of course- yeah. It's just hilarious thinking about it because <laughs> they couldn't be less alike. Anyway, so we went to the World Cup in 98 in Paris and um, and Rosemary had her husband with her and two of her kids. And we got two tickets to the final. And as it turns out, against all odds, because it had never happened before, the French were actually playing in the final. So, uh, so I thought, well, I don't want to leave rosemary's husband out like anyway so i gave my ticket to greg so greg and rosemary could go to the final together and i stayed with their kids and, <laughs> wow again taking a risk you never do liz i know, babies I know. right i know <laughs> i have a bad reputation in the family of how i care for the children but just i have looser rules than parents yes, have yes because yes. it's not my job to be their parent yes. so we with the tween the two tweens we sat in a cafe in the fifth arrondissement in paris not too far from the seine watching tv um so you're in a, a French cafe. There are like 10 TVs up. Everyone's yelling and screaming and smoking and drinking. And it was including the tweens that you were babysitting. Oh, my God. Of course. Yes. At that point, you know, I think we might have even jumped in the fountain outside after the French won the game. That's the year the French won the World Cup and beat Brazil, of all things. So um, so we had this fantastic, like never been more French night. And it's interesting that your story, Julie, is about like French people being so much nicer than they have. Yes, yes, just yes. You can imagine same thing on the night they just won the World Cup. They were hugging everyone. They were so happy. And then Bastille Day was like two days later or something. It was the Frenchiest French, French, French <laughs> series of days I've ever had in Paris. And and I will never forget it. It was super fun. That city, it's just a city that makes memories, even if you're just sitting in a cafe. You know? Right, just, right. It's just amazing. Yeah, you know, we had some good memories, Liz. Uh, people wrote on Facebook and it was just that. Uh, many people just said their memories are like sitting in cafes or I like Mark. He just thought walking at night as a as a young person in their 20s through Paris was dreamy. Mm-hmm. And he said he feels so lucky that he's been there twice. But he just remembers ty- trying expression when tiny cups and, w- <laughs> and watching people. <laughs> I liked that. Tiny cups. Uh, tiny cups. Yeah. yeah. I liked Jude. Jude said she and her husband took an evening cruise on the Seine while enjoying the lights of Paris along the way. And at the end, the boat circled back around. So the Eiffel Tower now sparkles and the band on the on the boat was playing Oh, What a Night. And she and her husband danced uh, on the Seine with the Eiffel Tower sparkling. Jude, what a night. Sounds great. Um, this was one of my favorite memories because it's it's just it spoke to me. Melissa, she said she did a whirlwind tour like she had a 10 hour layover. So this is not the way to do Paris. But she went to the Louvre. They walked over the bridges. They toured the Eiffel Tower. And then she said we had the best ham and cheese sandwich of our lives. And yes. the sandwiches in Paris mm-hmm. are unbelievable. The mm-hmm. croque monsieur. Yeah. Croque monsieur I mean, that's it. That's it. I was I was getting French fries ooh, on the street with mustard. Ah. <laughs> Amazing. Go ahead. Yeah. 
just the just the normal. I had a tuna fish sandwich there four years ago. I think about that tuna fish sandwich every day. <laughs> <laughs> the best tuna fish sandwich, and it was just in their version of a subway. You know, you just walk in and the sandwiches are all made. It was just unbelievable. I loved that. And then my favorite was Ellen, who this is a classic. She was fifteen or sixteen, and she went on a bike tour uh, in. France through American youth hostels. So of course they ended up in Paris and they jumped into the Seine with their clothes on and swam around, which is so stupid, Ellen. But she said probably ill-advised, but very memorable. So it's it's the kind of thing people do in the movies. So we think we need to do that when we're there. Right. 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 Well, we had, uh, before we speak to Patricia Wells, she's coming on now, but my memory, one of the reasons I wanted her so much, one of my strongest memories is visiting Paris with my sister, Monica. Now, Monica had not been to Europe before, and I had been a bunch of times and I was, I was working in Germany at the time I had a work gig. So I, we planned months in advance. We were going to meet in Paris. And again, no internet or like texting. We just had to sort of, and it was even hard back in the day, you know, in the nineties to even make reservations. Like yeah. in, you'd have to call. And so I said, don't worry, I'll get there. There's that place, place on the Champs-Élysées. I can just go get a room. They have a hotel booking where all the American students went. And then I'll meet you here at this ex subway station when you get off, I think I must have met her at the airport. I can't even remember, but I got us a room on a beautiful market street near the Eiffel Tower. The room was terrible, but it was in our budget and the street was so charming. It was unbelievable. And we didn't have a ton of money. We were not students, but we were not rich. So we took uh, the Patricia Wells guide to Paris. She had this unbelievable food guide to Paris, which is now an app. We're going to talk to her about it. But it was this super detailed arrondissement by arrondissement guide to everything you would want in Paris. And that was our plan. Like we were just going to do, you know, get lunch where she told us to get lunch and get dinner where she told us to get dinner. And we did figure out on our street, one of the places she had recommended a little cafe for a little, you know, Beaujolais um, was right on our street. So we sat there one night and we realized that the cafe was right next to a dry cleaner, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound romantic. No, but you should have seen the Frenchmen coming to pick up their dry cleaning. I mean, we could not believe it. We were both single girls in our 20s sitting there watching these Frenchmen in their loading, those green loading suits. You know, oh, yeah. they wear those green mm-hmm. suits. Yeah. No one All else. Those- Big loading jackets. Yep. Yeah. And they would just come in and pick up their dry cleaning. We're like, this is the greatest place we've ever been. This, dry- <laughs> <laughs> this cafe makes some dry cleaning. And so one night we decided to splurge and pick one super slightly fancier restaurant that she had mentioned. So we went to the restaurant. I think I actually made reservations. So we got in, it was the Frenchiest, Frenchest French place. Like everyone was smoking and drinking and laughing and it was And we got the menu. And even though we had both studied French and spoke it, you know how like menu French is different than Mm -hmm. the French you learned in high school. We literally didn't recognize one word. Good word. There wasn't even a poulet. Like, where is the chicken? (laughs) It's just all these really specific names of fish that Mm -hmm. we didn't know. So the waiter took pity on us and he helped us. And we, we showed him our Patricia Wells book, like we're here. And he was the only one, he spoke a little English and, and we could manage with our French. And it was just the most delicious meal, such a, like just a fantastic night. And I remember walking home after going to the restaurant, like 
this is the greatest night. So it's just a great city, which is why it's so fantastic. So that's why I'm so excited to talk to Patricia Wells. Uh, She's a journalist and author. Her book, you know, The Food Lover's Guide to Paris is just a perennial favorite. Um, She started as a reporter for the New York Times, and then she went to write for the International Herald Tribune. And that's where I first started reading her when I was, uh, you know, abroad studying my junior year, and I've followed her ever since. Um, She runs her own cooking school, both in Paris and Provence, and she just knows everybody in the food business and everybody knows her. So I'm very excited to talk to our guest, Patricia Wells from Paris. So stay with us, Satellite Sisters and Misters. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know, we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, a youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just, 
excellent use of the FrameBridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and FrameBridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but FrameBridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are like- going to be happy, okay? <laughs> and that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Well, this is really the heart of our I Love Paris podcast. I am so excited to talk to Patricia Wells. She is long recognized as the leading American authority on French food, and she has lived the life in France that many of us have often fantasized about, and she's written about it extensively, and it's a thrill to welcome you to Satellite Sisters. Patricia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, and I've loved listening to your podcast and, of course, reading your new book. Oh, thank you. All right. Starred review, Patricia Wells. I'll take it. <laughs> when, when you moved to France in 1980, did you expect to be there for 40 years? Not at all. Um, my husband and I were both working at the New York Times. He was offered a job. I was a food writer. He was an assistant national editor. <clears throat> and he was offered a job to come to work at the Herald Tribune. And we thought, oh, well, you know, even though technically we were leaving the New York Times, we figured, oh, you know, they'd take us back in two years. So we rented, our, rented out our apartment in New York. And at the end of two years, we kind of looked at one another and said, hmm, you know, we would speak such better French if we stayed for three years. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of three years, I got my first book contract, Food Lover's Guide to Paris. Well, that kind of ended that idea. Of, of going back to New York. And <clears throat> my husband likes to say, um, we came for his job and stayed for mine. <laughs> oh, that's a great line. That's a great line. Were you always a Francophile though, as a food writer and a foodie, uh, you know, were well, I France say, I mean, your I number one destination? No, well, I grew up in Milwaukee, a very, you know, simple middle-class family, but my mother was a great cook. She was Italian and I guess I grew up thinking I'd always have good food around me. It never occurred to me that I wouldn't. And it probably wasn't until the 60s when I, you know, knew of Julia Child and Craig Claiborne and so on, um, that I started cooking French, even though I hadn't been to France at that point. <clears throat> but I think now back when I would make cassoulet and things like that that I'd never eaten. <laughs> and I thought, I didn't know what they were supposed to taste like. But little by little, I became obviously more and more in love with France, mostly through, through the food. Isn't it amazing what Julia Child did for all of us? <laughs> I oh, mean, because our it, mom was in Connecticut making those same things and she it, did not grow up eating French food either. No, no, but you know, you know how I met Julia? This is unbelievable. When the Food Lover's Guide to Paris came out, <clears throat> she wrote me a fan letter and said, oh. I, 
I hope I get to meet you someday. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. I hope you have that letter framed. Because <laughs> well, I just have it, of course. You know, I, you know how things back then, you just thought, thought you saved it and I could kill myself. But anyway, <gasps> I have lots of other souvenirs from Julia. And we became good friends. And she used to come down to our place all the time. We used to eat together a lot. And I learned so much from her. But you know what's interesting? I probably learned more about married love um, than food from her. She and Paul, she was so good to Paul, so loving. And um, that really influenced me a lot. <clears throat> that really chokes me up, Patricia. That's so nice to hear. You know, that's, well, I think that's what we, from the movies and the books, we think Julia and her husband were like I, that, but what a, what a lovely friendship that you all had. Fant- that's amazing. That's I amazing. I tell you one story is she came, they both came to my 40th birthday party, which is like yesterday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in Provence and you know Paul was a photographer and she wanted a portrait or a picture of Walter and me standing in the vineyard in front of the vineyard so she's taking it and and he's Paul keeps saying do it this way do it this way said Paul first we'll do it my way and then we'll do it your way (laughs) I I think that is such solid advice for all couples right all the time (laughs) all the time Um, well let's talk a little bit about Paris because it is our Paris show and you're talking to us from Paris today why do you think we as Americans romanticize Paris so much? Is it really that romantic on a day-to-day basis or are we just living in a fantasy world? I'm probably not the right person to ask because I am so in love with this city. I mean, I could cry almost every day. Uh, in fact, the last few days I've been um, just walking around the neighborhood because, you know, since COVID and so many things change and, and if you're not there all the time, you know, here's a new shop, here's a clothes shop, here's another you know, and every single day I look at something, I take a picture of a building. I, it doesn't always have to do with food. Often it's just architecture or flowers or um, the Luxembourg gardens is like a heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, I think France really, I know that there are people who criticize and say it's too dirty and that the bike lanes are all bad and, but I don't know. I just block all that out. I block all the negative out, except the dirty streets sometimes. Uh, in fact, whenever I see a street sweeper, I thank him. I want to give him a little money to keep keep going. Um, no, I, I just think there is so much history here, so much beauty. Um, you don't even have to do anything. Just walk around with your eyes open and you're happy, I think. I mean, I am. Well, Liz and Julie both spent a year there study abroad. So I'm going to, Julie, I've got to put you on the spot. Like, what was your experience then? It was a <laughs> while ago, Jewel, but did you have that I, same You know, feeling? I mean, it was a while ago. And uh, Patricia, I'm sure when you first uh, went to Paris, it really was a foreign country, right? I mean, oh, oh. Are you, you know. Kidding? I mean, I cried a lot the first two months. I mean, it was, it was hard because I was working by myself alone and as a freelance and um, didn't speak much French and um, I cried, but we were still happy, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just everything was a delight there. I mean, I, I, I lived with a French family near the Luxembourg gardens where, you know, so I had like, I walked through there on my way to read 
to go to classes, you know, I mean, it was an amazing experience. It is. And it still is. It still is. And, and I think that even though um, things can fall apart, I think all of France does a pretty good job of keeping things up and, and beauty, you know, considering the beauty of things. And um, I don't know. Well, what favorite things to do in Paris? I've named a few, but if there are other, like I imagine you just trying a different restaurant every day. Is that wrong? Are you constantly seeking out like the best you know, bread, I a new have, place for coffee? I have. I had friends, uh, a foodie friend visiting for the last two weeks and we went out for dinner almost every night and some days lunch and dinner. Um, we had a great time. And um, in, when in June, when the um, restaurants, the outdoor restaurants were open like cafes and so on, but no indoor until this last June. And a friend of mine from, from Dallas, in fact, came uh, for two weeks and I think we had 20 meals in that time. And um, it was amazing. You know, I tried to do new places, old places, um, places I loved or places I'd only heard about. And it was fascinating. I've been doing, I continue to do that. Maybe not as much as I did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And we're not always here because we do spend time in Provence. And also I love to cook. So you can't, you know, cook for dinner and go out at the same time. <laughs> but, well, your, um, your food app is your book that you mentioned that Julia Tells wrote you the fan letter about that really changed many lives, including mine. I remember taking it on my first trip to Paris, the Food Lover's Guide to Paris. Now it's an app. And it is a wonderful app. Do you, are you constantly contributing to that as well? Or do you have a team working on that now? No, I have my assistant who actually helps with all of the, um, you know, prices and times and so on and so forth. And we, in fact, tomorrow we're going to a restaurant we hadn't been to for a long time. Um, And I try to keep it up as best I can, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard because the one thing that, um, I did learn during COVID is that um, I gave up a lot of things for just dealing with food every night, you know? And so really post COVID, we've been doing things like going to the new Philharmonic and going back to Chatelet and doing more theater and stuff like that, that we just never had time for. All we ever did was go out to dinner. (laughs) That's a high high class problem to have, but I see see that. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, well, it's funny. What made me think of it is one time Marcella and Victor Hazan said to me, I was probably 40 years old, and they said, what have you given up for your career? And I kind of thought, well, that's a stupid question. But now I can say, you know, I gave up a lot of reading books. I gave up a lot of, you know, going out to the theater and museums and so on at night, especially. So I'm trying to kind of make up for that a little bit and like reading your book. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you made time for that. (laughs) You know, I do want to recommend to anybody who is traveling to Paris to download Verse Guide, uh, the app, because what's great about it is it's arranged by arrondissements. So it's like you are, if you're standing there, you can find what you need and it's tracking you and it's fantastic. I wish I had had that app when I wrote the book because that would have been (laughs) had more restaurant scenes in there. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, Patricia, in addition to everything, you run two cooking schools, which of course is my, my fantasy, just attending your cooking 
go for a week. You do weeks in Paris and weeks in Provence. Right. Well, the, the people who come to your cooking school, what are they looking for really? I mean, I know they're looking to get, you know, up their cooking game, but is there something else that you're providing them, do you think? Well, I think one of the reasons I only, I don't do day classes, one day classes, because I figure, what can you teach anybody in one day? I feel I want to teach them a philosophy, a sense of, of entertaining, cooking, enjoying cooking. Uh, and at the end of the week, we do, um, we all vote on the best taste of the week. Everybody gets to vote on the one dish that they thought was the best. And then I ask for takeaways, like, okay, how is this week going to change you? And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just great. People say, oh, when I'm organized, because I talk about organization, mise en place, making sure you have all your food, you know, put together, all your ingredients there. And someone, you know, they'll say, wow, you know, when I'm really organized, I'm less anxious in the kitchen. And a lot of things, you know, one of my philosophies is simplicity. Like if you can take away two ingredients, take them away if they don't add anything. And people really respond to that. You know, they're not looking for fussiness. They're looking for something that tastes good. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's, it's really a joy to see people at the end of the week, especially have really taken on something new in their lives and, or they'll just say, wow, you know, now I can go back and cook again and not be you know, just same old, same old stuff. So it's, it's, it's a great pleasure. It really is. Is there a different vibe between your Paris cooking school and your Provence school? Well, certainly because, you know, there's a difference between the big city and the, a little town in Provence. Um, Paris is much more, um, I wouldn't say the menus are all that different, although everything is very seasonal. So, um, you know, we go to a, a lovely market, the, the, the uh, President Wilson Market, we eat at a great three-star restaurant. And I think it's just, it's a little more confined because we're in my apartment, which is not huge. And in Provence, it's just open air. We've got about, someone once said, boy, you should have a lot of places to eat. (laughs) (laughs) We have at least three places outside and two places indoors. So, um, you know, it's just more expansive. And we have many, we have basically, if you count the outdoors, we have at least three or four kitchens. So, um, what every home needs, that's right. yes. <laughs> I, I need more kitchens. That's <laughs> I'm going to get some more kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> the idea in, of coming and learning to cook in your kitchen. Wow. That's amazing. And cooking on Julia Child's stove. Oh, wow. oh. <laughs> how'd you end up with Julia Child's stove? Well, she used for, for quite a few years, you know, she still had her house in Provence, further south up than we are. And she would take the TGV, the fast train to Avignon, which is about 40 minutes from us. And then she'd come and stay overnight with us and then go on to her home. And um, I knew that she was, this was gonna be her last trip. Um, she was gonna be selling the home and, you know, Paul was no longer around and so on. So I thought, wow, you know, having Julie Child so would be like having Freud's couch. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, and I didn't, you know, I knew she was leaving the house and stuff. And I said, well, Julia, um, could I buy your stove? She said, no. And so I thought, well, okay, you know, I don't know what I was going to do with it anyway. So she went to bed. And the next morning she got up and she says, I changed my mind. 
you can have the stove if you replace it with a new one. Well, so we went to Darty, he got a, you know, a gas <laughs> stove and, and did the exchange and that was it. Wow. Uh, but it's so funny when I read like her last, or some of her last stuff, and I don't know how she did all the things she did in that stove, because I think she had it in the seven. Oh, she even sent me her, her she sent me the catalog and, and I think the bill of sale from the Oh, stove. great. Oh. It was just, she was so organized in that way. And I still have the, the envelope she used when she sent it because it has about 45, you know, one centime stamps. And I'm going like, to use up all my stamps. <laughs> oh, well, Patricia, you can't see this, but I'm actually holding up my 1991 copy of Simply French, uh, oh. your cookbook uh, that I have used constantly since 1991. But in this cookbook is the most wonderful recipe for roast chicken the oh. grandmother's roast chicken. And I have, this is the technique I use. And I know that Ina Garten's roast chicken has gotten a lot of publicity lately. So I wonder, would you and Ina ever do a roast chicken off? Is there a, <laughs> is, is there a food network roast off in the future? <laughs> I, I don't think so. We love to cook together, but um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I'm not sure. I, I know her recipe is famous, but I don't in my head know it. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's okay because yours is delicious i mean you do have to keep rotating that bird but it's really worth it it's really <laughs> worth it i know we're wrapping up here I, I feel like we could talk to you all day but i just wanted to circle back a little bit to paris if you had to describe a, a perfect day in paris what, what does that look like for you okay it would have to be kind of a warmish sunny day okay, okay to order that up and i would have coffee on my terrace um, in the morning and I would be working on my menu for the evening because I would have a dinner party for six to eight friends, good friends that were hopefully the weather would be good and we could eat on the terrace. And I'd walk to the President Wilson Market, which is, takes about an hour, but it's a beautiful, I walk along the Seine and I would do my marketing. And if it wasn't too heavy, I'd walk back with it. If it was heavy, I would just take the bus back, the 63 bus that goes right from there to here. And I cook all afternoon and sip wine and have a nice dinner. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect day anywhere. Yes, <laughs> for anyone. Yes. We'll be right over. to meet you on the bus. Okay. I'd be glad okay. to carry your groceries for you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, we can't thank you enough. This has just been an absolute delight and a personal thrill to talk to you, Patricia. Thank you so much for spending uh, time with us on Satellite Sisters and really taking Thanks. us to Paris. Wonderful. Great to speak with you. Really wonderful. Thanks very much. Thank you, Patricia. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with, your, with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what. Uh, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. 
That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Oh, my goodness. Actually, speaking to Patricia Wells in Paris, I got to say, this is Cooking with Liz speaking now. Just hearing her say the words mise en place, it made me so happy. Because <laughs> I almost fell over when she said that. It's like, do you say that every week on me on on cooking with us, Liz? Yes, don't you? Because I learned it on Top Chef, Julie. I learned it on TV, but she learned it from like French chefs. So anyways. I was scared you were going to try to engage with her. 
I actually was like, please don't Liz, let Liz say anything. <laughs> okay. It's, that's all I want to say is mise en place. That's it. I love your mise en place, Patricia. <laughs> well, it was just wonderful. I mean, who, you know, it's just wonderful to talk to her. That was fantastic. If you're going to Paris, absolutely download that app, the Food Lover's Guide to Paris. It's fantastic. I have it on my phone, even though even though I don't have any trips to Paris planned. It's just arranged by Arrondissements. It's super Oh, smart. I think You'll- that's a nice mental vacation to just yes. <laughs> to pick, out, pick out a restaurant for dinner Yeah, in Paris. I like that, Leanne. I think I'm going to download that app too. Good one. Um, hey, I just want to remind you, my book tour does start this week. I'm going to try not to bombard you week after week after week with book tour stuff. I know we have other stuff to talk about on Satellite Sisters, but this week the kickoff is at Vromans. It's on uh, the 6th tomorrow night. If you're listening to the show right when it drops, it's on April 6th uh, at 7 p.m. I'll be in conversation with Rico Galliano. I think we're going to have a party there, so I'm looking forward to that. If you're in Northern California, I will be at Book Passage in Corte Madeira on Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. I know that's a satellite sisters and misters are coming i'm excited that um my friend marianne's mom is coming and she's bringing her two friends and they're all over 90 so i'm looking forward to seeing uh marianne's mom that's going to be awesome i'll have a lot of college friends there at book passage fantastic and then for those of you virtually i am starting my crowdcast book clubs next week the 13th of april I will be doing my first one and that I will be doing two actually. Uh, yeah. Wednesday, April 13th. I'm not doing a lot of events that week because it's Easter week and a lot of spring breaks and things like that, but two virtual events for people who have read the book. These will be book clubs. You can ask me all the details. So if you're on it and you've read it and you want to talk about it, I'm doing one at 7 p.m. Eastern and one at 7 p.m. Pacific. So make sure you sign up for the right one. You will need to register with an email, but it's free. It's fun. It's informal. I did them for the Sweeney sisters. You don't have to be on camera. You can be in your pajamas. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You can come on camera if you want. So I'm doing those. Those start Wednesday, April 13th definitely for people who have read the book there. I will not hold back. There will be spoilers, Uh, but I would love to see people there. So, and then I'm going to do another one in May and another one in June. So there will be, you know, if you don't get to the book this month, you can get to it next month, but um, those will be real fun book clubs that I'm doing. Oh, I think I'll sign up for one of those. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Lena's always really good with those. Thanks, Joel. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Well, entertaining sisters, everybody get the book check do that but i mean we just i think we should all just go to paris for a while so i have put together a little mini parisian film festival for you as i said i did my junior year abroad i returned for my senior year at smith college and of course i had to take a french cinema class mm. where i learned to call movies films uh that was <laughs> that was that was my big learning but here are here are four films that I think if you grab some croissants and a pot of cafe au lait, you can have a delightful day. First, Le Ballon Rouge. Okay. I just saw it a while ago. It's magnificent. It's charming. Be sure to check that out. How about Amelie? Have you, have you all re- seen that movie? Did you yes. love that? I mean, yes. didn't you go to the Amelie cafe when you were there? We did. We, because my son, Colin, he loves that movie. He's a big film fan and he just loves Amelie. And 
I forced him to go on this tour of Montmartre with me. And when he saw the Amelie Cafe, his whole attitude changed. And then we went back and had lunch there. It was fantastic. It's charming, super charming. Okay. And you can't have a Paris film festival without a Catherine Deneuve vehicle. So Mm -hmm. I all, I think everybody needs to see Belle du Jour. Catherine Deneuve is playing a prostitute, of course. You know, I mean, that's you got to have one of those. Okay, and she's smoking a lot of cigarettes. uh, So it is very French. There's a lot of infidelity. There's a lot of passion (laughs) and it's all good. And then finally, you have to see the classic Jules Asian. Okay, that that is that is a winner. So there you have the next time you're held up or it's raining, you finish Leon's book then you can have your own mini uh, Paris film festival. How about that? I Great. like it. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes, Jules, so people okay. can sort of find those. Yeah, Jules et Jim, that's Francois Truffaut, right? So yes, yes. You got you to gotta punch that name on your list. So, well, I'm going to throw in a few more films, just because things that when I thought about my favorite Paris uh, films, what were they? First, the Frenchiest, Frenchiest, French, French film is... Uh, breathless or abu de souffle oh yeah um, right so that yeah. you know you got to check that one out that was jean-luc godard's first that's le nouvelle vague the new wave people this mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. this is the newest of the new wave starring jean-paul belmondo and gene seberg and the two things i remember most from that movie i remember i loved it she sells the international herald tribune lee and she was one of they used to have like young women on the streets just selling the paper so in that movie she's selling the international herald tribune and she also has the world's best haircut i (laughs) every time i get my hair cut really short i want to come out looking like gene seberg in breathless that has never been successful but anyway you'll see what i mean when you see the film um then I was thinking, so that's a Frenchy French French film. But then I was thinking about American films set in Paris and the ones that are either romantic or super fun. Um, the super fun. Did, did you ever see French Kiss with Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein? Yes. yes. I love yes. Hilarious. Yes. This is. This is a funny romantic, it's shot all over France. A lot of it is in Paris, but, and Kevin Klein is the Frenchman. So it's Kevin Klein in a French accent. So right there, hilarity ensues. And he's a, um, he's like a thief of some kind, as right. like a jewel thief or something. Mm-hmm. Meg Ryan goes to try to win back her boyfriend, who is Timothy Hutton. And this is Meg Ryan and Timothy Hutton when they were both in their super cute phases. Like this is the nineties. So again, I just want to say Meg Ryan's hair. Hair. In this movie, I know. Super, the there are a lot of us cute. who wanted her hair. Yeah. Yeah. That choppy, choppy haircut yeah. looks great on her. I never successfully pulled that one off either. And then the, the most romantic of all the Paris movies, I think Richard Linklater did that three part series. That was like, before midnight, before yes. sunset, before sunrise, that whole thing. So number two, part two is before sunset, takes place in Paris and it's Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. And Leanne, you'd like this one because Ian, Haw- Ian Ethan Hawke is on a book tour. He's an author, and but he's hoping to find a woman he had this super special night with years ago, which was the first movie. Um, anyway, they all they do, is walk around Paris. That's the entire plot is walking and talking, walking and talking, walking and talking. And so super like romantic Americans um, 
in, well, she's French uh, in Paris. So all three of those uh, I would recommend along with the ones, the cinema that Julie recommended. Yes, yes. The films that I had suggested. <laughs> Liz has movies I'm recommending. I know, mine are totally movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the other part of entertaining if we are staying in Paris is that we need uh, a style guide, right, girls? We oh, need yeah. We need to really perfect that you know uh, French girl style you know that's nonchalant uh, it's elegant the Parisian woman so Leanne here's the list 10 items I have some for you I have some for Liz some for me some for all of us that we can okay. adopt okay Leanne you've got to get a sweet sundress okay it's going to get hot there you're going to be on book tours um, French women always have a sweet sundress romantic wallpaper florals on the dress mm. you know you need you need flounce you need bows it's very in very chic okay and i want you to pair that with some french feminine flats okay flats. That's, you can yeah. see it Leon. do you see that look okay Leon, you're silent you're not no i see it i'm nodding yes i mean i i'm going with the rothies those are my flats you have your flats those are feminine flats that's very french that's one of the yes. items liz i'm going to pair it put you in a different look now you've been to the french tennis open yes. and what yes. does everyone have on their heads at the french tennis open in may liz they have a woven sun hat, right? Yes. You need a great hat, Liz. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, for that Parisian style. Okay. Yes. Okay. I want you to get that a nice woven hat. There are a lot of choices out there, and you're going to pair this with something that all French women have. The cool ones. They have trousers, Liz. White oh, trousers. Oh, Can't you see oh, it? Can yes. you see it coming together as a look? And then the third for you, the third item is you got to pair that with a lovely little rom uh, romantic cheek, 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 woven bag. Okay. A woven bag. Hat, okay. You get the bag, bag, you get the trousers. Okay. okay? Right. Okay. And I get Jean Seberg's haircut. That's okay. Oh, you're going to be <laughs> brings the whole okay. thing together. Okay. All right. But we can't wear the, we can't wear those sundresses and trousers every day. We also all need a romantic blouse. Okay. Poofy sleeves. You can have long sleeves, Liz. I know how strongly mm -hmm. you feel about that. About sleeves. Leanne, yes. Leanne, you need to add a little poof in your life. Okay. That's I think true. Tour. Okay. You've got a lot of events coming up. All right. That can happen for me. I am going to go with a classic because I bought it when I was in my junior year abroad, <laughs> the maritime shirt. That was a first French sailors blue and oh, white. Yeah. Shirt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, those, mm -hmm. those are winners. Okay. Yes. Everybody can go out and get that right away because that look never dies. They're all different varieties, short sleeves, long sleeves, you can have stripes, different yeah. colored stripes. Okay. I am aiming for a bohemian white dress because apparently that's what French uh, French girls wear too. Now oh. I know I wore one for my high school graduation, and it's just a question of whether it's now. Been a while since you've rocked now, the boho in this look, season of my life, I can <laughs> I can rock the bohemian white dress. Okay, okay. Who's okay. with me? Anyone else going with the bohemian white dress? No. Yeah. No. no. Okay. That's, okay. If, you got to find the right one. You okay. Know, that's hard. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, here's the other recommendation coming from the editorialist uh, guide. They're suggesting that if you really want the full French uh, shishi look of the Parisian woman, that you need a retro bikini. 
Now, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And the granny pants. Like okay. the Brigitte Bardot bikini. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I say, I say, if we have a satellite sister out there that is rocking the retro bikini, mm-hmm. we want to see pictures of it. That's true. It won't be us, but we encourage you. Yes. Yes. I think those are excellent suggestions. And if you pair that with a copy of Lost and Found in Paris, perfect, right? Perfect. Julie, those are good. I, I did buy a, a little dress last week with the floral prints that I will be wearing to a couple a couple of events. Now, I it's not technically a sundress, but I'm gonna say it is. I'm gonna say it is now. So and okay. gonna, I was gonna wear it with my Rothy slats. But okay, there you go. It. You have it. You've that's a look. So we're gonna put this uh, link to this article. Mm-hmm. And so we all can adopt this French Parisian look for the <laughs> summer. <laughs> All right, we got so many great recommendations for various Paris um, entertaining, entertaining sisters things from podcasts to newsletters to Instagram accounts to movies to everyone recommending Call My Agent, the TV show, which is great. So I'm actually going to put that all in our newsletter this week. So if you're not subscribed to Pep Talk, this would be the week to do it. I'm going to kind of put all those together. So we're not just giving big lists on the air, but there were a couple of suggestions I wanted to mention. Peggy thinking outside the box, Tour de France, Tour de France. That is a great thing to watch. In the summer, it takes you all over France and finishes in Paris. And even if you don't care about the bike riding, they do have like spectacular scenery and aerial photography, and you do get a feel for the country. So Tour de France, a great one. Okay. This made me laugh. Luann is trying to learn French. So she has found a website where they give you the news in slow French. <laughs> I like that. Slow French is an excellent idea because the French, French are super fast. Yes. So, they speak très vite, as they say. Okay, I, I'm going to check that out. Slow yes. French. Slow I like French. It. So we'll put the link to that in uh, the newsletter for sure. And then I just want to, and then Christine, who's a real Francophile, and several other people recommended the podcast, The Earful Tower, which oh. is uh, not Eiffel Tower, Earful Tower. They said is run is very charming. It's French, great guests. And, you know, it's an English podcast, but it's all about the expat life in France. So that sounds super fun. And then um, just want to shout out to Rena, who is a Satellite Sisters listener and a member of our Facebook group. She recommended the Broadway version of An American in Paris. They, they like five years ago, it was on Broadway, received like 12 Tony nominations and they taped it. And she said, you know, it was better live. She worked on the show. So I was like, what did you do on the show? She was the company manager of both the pre-Broadway tryout in Paris and then was with the show as the company manager when they went to Broadway. And she said, we're the first American show that ever did a pre-Broadway tryout in Paris. She said it was very difficult, quite a challenge, but unbelievable. So Rena, fantastic. That's great. And they taped, they did a filmed version of the Broadway show, which was supposed to be magnificent. So uh, Rena, thank you for that recommendation. And thank you for your service to the Broadway theater community. We appreciate that here at Satellite Sisters. So all this is going to be in the newsletter and pep talk this week. Also, my Spotify playlist is happening. So we, you know, too, too much stuff to list here on the podcast, but um, it's all going to be in the newsletter. Whew, Paris is fun. It's fun to talk about, right? Why not set a book in Paris if you can, right? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. Um, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, we encourage you to join. It's just the nicest corner of the internet. People are solving each other's problems all, all week long. I mean, this week we had one listener, she's trying to plan a rehearsal dinner in Houston for about 30 people. She didn't know where to have it. Boom, 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 boom. The Houston Satellite Sisters, Misters and Smisters put down their list. She has booked a restaurant in Houston for the rehearsal dinner in a matter of days. That wow. happened it's, on our it's Facebook. A, we are a powerful nation, Leon. Yes. <laughs> so, many other things like that. Also, I would love to have you subscribe to Pep Talk and um, over at Instagram or at Sat Sisters or at Leon Dolan if you want to follow along on my book tour. Yeah, and subscribe well, to our YouTube channel. Oh, the YouTube list. Yeah. We have a new YouTube channel and we do post the podcast on the YouTube channel now. I mean, you're not getting video, you're just getting the podcast, but it's on YouTube, should you desire. Video is under discussion, but there's resistance. <laughs> resistance. <laughs> And that's, of course, that's where the cooking with Liz videos are. Yeah. So, you know, we have actual video on the YouTube channel and then we have the podcast on the YouTube channel. <laughs> All right. We would like to thank Patricia Wells, our guest, for joining us today. Amazing to talk to her. Thank you, Patricia. Such an honor. A big thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, who's piecing this whole show together. We appreciate that. Emily Loudermilk does our graphic design. We can't wait to see what she cooks up for this show. Follow us at, at Sat Sisters to see Emily's designs. Um, okay, our Parisian must-do list. Usually we do a to-do list, but we mm-hmm. decided to make this Paris-themed must-dos when you're in Paris. Liz, what do you think? Okay, if I just had like one day, Liam, mm-hmm. that day must include sitting in a cafe, eating oysters and drinking Sancerre. So... <laughs> You know how I feel about oysters. It was yeah. the most recent episode of Cooking with Liz, just me learning to open an oyster. So I looked up oyster bars in uh, Patricia Wells' Food Lover's Guide to Paris. So she recommends, the word for oyster in French is huitre, H-U-I-T-R-E. So this place is called huitrerie, which I did not pronounce very well, huitrerie Régie, so Regis, and it's Trois Rue de Montfaucon in the sixth arrondissement. So that's Ooh. where I'll be at lunchtime today, Liam. <laughs> okay. Ooh, ooh la la, sounds delicieux. <laughs> okay, this is Julie. I'm heading to the Luxembourg Gardens, okay? I, as I said, I used to walk through the garden every day on my way to class, to uh, my language lessons at Reed Hall on my junior year abroad. Um, but I would go, uh, I would stop first at a patisserie, and I'd get a baguette and a chocolate bar. I'd make myself a chocolate bar sandwich, which are delicious, delicious. and only, only to be eaten in Paris. And I'd and I'd people watch. So mm. that's my that's my day. How about you, Leon? You know, when I was there a couple of years ago with Colin, I do not regret a single croissant that I ate. I mean, <laughs> the, the croissants at my hotel, they were so unbelievable. And then we walked like nine miles a day, and I I just those croissants. I mean, they're un- unbelievable. So eat the croissant and take a walk. No matter where you are in Paris, there's a wonderful croissant near you. And then you can take a spectacular walk. So that's my Paris must do list. Eat nice. that croissant. Oh, sisters, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I feel like it's really launched now, but we yes. were able to do this show today live. Kicking off an adventure in Paris with you. It's very exciting for us too, Liam. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone have a great week. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>